Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield News and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. City Council provides a little tax relief by increasing the homestead exemption. I'm science reporter Dennis Webb, and the recent COVID-19 spread is increasing. National Weather Service sees no end to the hot weather pattern. MISD gearing up for back-to-school bash. We have a list of the lowest gas prices in Mansfield in Who's Got Gas? Coming up in the features section. I'm science reporter Dennis Webb, and in today's science segment, I'll talk about a very old space probe. What bugs you, Mansfield? I'm Angel Biasati, and today we're talking about fire ants and other pests in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. It's time for our mid-year review of the local and national real estate market. I'm Beth Steinke, and today we're going to find out what the market is up to so you can make the most informed decisions about your next move. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that uses one of my favorite bourbons in it. We have the scorching seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks in studio with Methodist Mansfield Medical Center CEO Juan Fresquez. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. I'm Dr. Joseph Adams of Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come into the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Wealth Building Made Simple. Hey, this is Jeff Kish from Bartlett Tree Experts. It's summertime and the living ain't easy if you're a tree. For the most part, trees enjoy summer, but when things get hot and dry, think about how you would feel. You get to go indoors to enjoy air-conditioned air and a nice cool drink while your trees and shrubs remain outside to tolerate the extremes of the season. Healthy, vigorous trees and shrubs tolerate weather extremes rather well, but long periods of excessive heat and lack of rain are formidable tree enemies. Stress, insects, and disease can also cause serious damage. Luckily, much of this can be prevented with the help of Bartlett Tree Experts. The best preventative care involves a program of fertilization, pruning, and management of insect damage and disease. Call us at 1-877-BARTLETT to take advantage of Bartlett's free summer checkup inspection. Trees are a valuable asset to the environment and to the value of your home. Don't entrust their care to anyone but the experts. Bartlett Tree Experts. Call 1-877-BARTLETT for your free tree inspection or visit us online at Bartlett.com. That's Bartlett. Hi, I'm Michelle Newsom, Mansfield School Board Trustee, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. The Mansfield City Council approved increasing the existing homestead exemption by 2%, bringing the total to 12%. A homestead exemption allows homeowners to save on property taxes by allowing them to exclude a portion of their home's value from assessment. Mansfield originally implemented a 10% homestead exemption in 2020. With a 12% homestead exemption, Mansfield residents will pay taxes on only 88% of the value of their primary residence as assessed by the Tarrant County, Johnson County, or Ellis County appraisal districts. Residents whose property is already homesteaded will see the increase automatically provided. The homestead increase does not affect properties that already receive the over-65 tax ceiling or other freeze exemptions. 
About 75% of homestead-eligible residential properties in Mansfield have already filed homestead exemption paperwork. The other 25% are either ineligible due to rental status or have not yet filed. To file a homestead exemption, homeowners need to apply with the appraisal district of the county in which they reside. In addition to increasing the homestead exemption, the city council and city leadership have looked at other ways to decrease the burden on taxpayers, including reducing the tax rate. COVID-19 is still on the rise here in Mansfield, and with the update, here's roving science reporter Dennis Webb. Thank you, Steve. COVID-19 continues to spread locally. Tarrant County judges the spread to be high this past week, and the county reported 165 new cases in Mansfield. This is the highest number since this past February at the end of the Omicron wave. Countywide trends are similar, with 3.9% of the county's hospital beds holding the sickest of the local COVID sufferers. This is a fourfold increase over May in the spring. My own mild infection with the virus seems to have passed. I was prescribed the antiviral cocktail Paxlovid. It took a couple of days for me to get the prescription filled. Not clear whether this was a supply problem or just normal medical bureaucracy. Tarrant County Public Health recommends all eligible citizens get vaccinated, and I'm back to using the N95 mask when I go out. From the Science Desk here at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. The weather hasn't been very kind to us here in Mansfield with these 100-degree days, and how long is it going to last? Let's go to the experts. We've got Tom Bradshaw. He's a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth here in Tarrant County. On the telephone with us, first of all, Tom, thanks for being on About Mansfield. Glad to be with you. Let's talk about, first of all, does this weather phenomenon, this stretch of 100-degree days, does this actually have a a name to it? Well, it doesn't technically have a name. Now, um, we're under kind of a a very large-scale, what we call La Nina um, weather pattern and La Nina actually refers to the temperatures that exist in the equatorial Pacific. And right now we're, we're in a La Nina phase, which means that the water is actually, um, somewhat cooler than it normally is. And that, that has some correlation with, with warmer and drier conditions across the United States. But the, but the actual, actual relationship is actually pretty weak. There are probably other forces that we're actually not that familiar with that are driving the the overall global weather pattern right now. It's actually hot across a, a good chunk of the northern hemisphere, as, as you probably are aware. Yeah, I, w- I was looking at the radar just yesterday, and this red band literally is all the way around the world. Obviously, it's going through Texas, but that same band going across the Atlantic is going right across Africa. So to say it's Africa hot here in Texas literally is true. Yeah, it really is. In fact, as you probably know, there are record-setting temperatures existing right now in uh, parts of uh, Great Britain, um, parts of France, Spain, uh, parts of Western Western Europe, um, some portions of the Middle East are obviously they're normally warm, but even even there it's abnormally warm for this time of the year. So while we're experiencing very very warm conditions here in uh, the central United States, we're certainly not alone as far as uh, dealing with a lot of heat right now across the northern hemisphere. All right, and you're a meteorologist, so. How does this happen? Well, in very simple terms, we've had a very large ridge of high pressure, upper level high pressure centered over the central part of the United States for what seems like an eternity now. It actually first formed during the middle part of uh, until later part of June and then sort of broke down a little bit towards the end of the month and then sort of reestablished itself over the last week to 10 days or so. Now, it's not that uncommon. In fact, it's very common to have upper level ridges of high pressure, um, you know, centered over a good part of the United States in the summertime, particularly over our neck of the woods. We're no stranger to that. But what I think has been a little bit unusual has just been the persistence of the of this upper level high pressure ridge just centered either to the west or to, just to the east of us with us uh, dealing with a large of the con- a lot of the consequences of it. So that's been, like I said, a pretty well-established feature for the uh, central part of the United States now for, for quite some time. Tom, I'm going to uh, ask you uh, your final question. I'm going to have you gaze into your crystal ball here. How long are we going to have these 100-degree temperature days? 
this time of the year, it's not that uncommon to have 100-degree days. To answer your question, it's it's difficult to know, you know how many more consecutive days of 100-degree weather we're going to have here in the Metroplex. It, it uh, does look like the next couple of days are going to be probably some of our the warmest temperatures that we've seen so far this year. And then it looks like on in the next week, we'll probably continue to have temperatures at least hovering around 100, if not in the lower 100s. So it's good to have a neighbor with a pool. It would be a nice uh, time of the year to have a pool. Yes, it's fortunate to have one or have access to one for sure. Meteorologist Tom Bradshaw with the National Weather Service. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Sure thing. No problem. Glad to be with you. If you have kids who attend school in Mansfield, here's an event to put on your calendar now. The school district will host its annual back-to-school bash on Saturday, August 6th, from 7.30 a.m. to noon at the Center for the Performing Arts on Debbie Lane. The bash will officially kick off the start of the 2022-23 school year. In addition to a wide variety of activities and games, there will be school supplies, student health services, and more. And the best part? It's completely free of charge for all Mansfield ISD students. Backpacks and shoes will be given to Mansfield ISD families on a first-come, first-served basis. Backpacks will be distributed at the Ben Barber Innovation Academy. Services include immunizations for those who need them, eye exams, and other health resources. Please bring your child's shot records to take part in the free immunizations. Each campus will be in attendance with fun activities like bounce houses, obstacle courses, and more to interact with our MISD families. In addition, a variety of student performances will be held in the Performing Arts Center. This will be an opportunity for students and their families to meet with the campuses they will attend and see some of the many programs Mansfield ISD has to offer. We're all suffering at the gas pump. It's no secret. There's been a little relief within the past few weeks, but come on, folks, we're still in the 3 to $5 range, depending on what type of gas you use. By patronizing stations with lower gas prices, it creates a glut at the more expensive stations, forcing them to drop their price. So who has the lowest gas prices here in Mansfield? We do, right here on this podcast, as it's time for another segment of who's got gas according to gasbuddy.com and as of tuesday afternoon july 19th the least expensive regular gas in mansfield is at murphy usa at matlock and debbie at 362 a gallon that's 23 cents a gallon lower than last week the least expensive mid-grade gas here in mansfield is $4.03 a gallon and can be found at four locations. Murphy USA, 287 and Walnut Creek, right by Walmart. Racetrack at Broad Street and Cannon Drive. Racetrack at 287 and Debbie Lane. And Quick Trip at 157 and Debbie Lane. This, by the way, is 26 cents lower than last week. And finally, the least expensive premium gas can be found at Murphy USA at 287 and Walnut Creek. Racetrack at Broad Street and Cannon Drive, and Racetrack at 287 and Debbie Lane at 428 a gallon. That's 29 cents a gallon lower than last week. These prices do not include grocery store fuel rewards or other promotions. Membership stations such as Sam's Club traditionally run a few cents per gallon lower, shop the best deal, and help bring the cost down. Just a quick reminder that if you know of any news that's happening here in Mansfield, shoot us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. That again is news at aboutmansfield.com. Please include your name and phone number in case we need more information. And we're always interested in your feedback. What do you like about the podcast? What are your dislikes? Who do you think we should interview? How about some story ideas? Again, that email address is news at aboutmansfield.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Friday is National Hammock Day, a day that says, hey, you've been working hard lately and deserve some time off. Of course, a hammock is a sling made of fabric, rope, or netting, and is usually suspended between two points, such as trees or posts, and it's used for swinging or sleeping or resting. The hammock dates back thousands of years to Central America, where it protected people from creatures and dirt. However, the netted bed didn't find Europe until explorers brought one back in the 17th century. Not long after that, the hammock found its way onto naval ships, providing comfort while maximizing 
housing space. Eventually, the hammock became a more leisurely item. Made from a variety of fabrics, it is suspended between trees and backyards and at lake houses. Because it can be easily packed into a backpack, hammocks became essential elements of survival. Hikers, campers, mountain climbers, they all added the light and compact sleep sling to their kits. So whether you use a hammock to take a nap or as a convenient tool in your camping kit, this Friday, July 22nd, recognizes one innovative way to catch some sleep. Let's head on over to the weather desk to see if Colleen is napping on the job. Psst. Hey, Colleen, are you awake? It's not a nap, Steve. It's more of a heat-induced stupor, and I doubt I'll emerge from it anytime soon. Let's take a look at the never-ending heat continuing for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. Wednesday, we're looking at a high of 108 degrees. There's a bit of a cold front that's going to try to come through Wednesday into Thursday, bringing us about a 20% chance of rain and lowering the projected high for Thursday down to an almost reasonable 101 degrees. Friday will be looking at 102, Saturday 103, Sunday 104, Monday 103, and Tuesday 104. The Tarrant Regional Water District recommends that Mansfield sprinklers deliver up to a half inch of irrigation this week, but there are a couple of important notes to share. Water providers are asking customers to increase water conservation measures due to extreme demands from outdoor watering. The City of Mansfield's Water Conservation Plan prohibits outdoor watering with an irrigation system between the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Meanwhile, the Texas A&M University School of Irrigation cites that the optimal time to water is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Continue best practices of watering no more than two days per week with sprinklers, program short cycles with multiple start times to reduce waste, don't water during the day, and make sure sprinklers are operating correctly. For more watering tips, visit waterisawesome.com. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. As always, we're talking science, health, real estate, and rounding it out with the cocktail of the week. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Roger of the Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight. The real estate market is far more dynamic today than it has ever been, with values changing quickly. Now is the time to get an update on your real estate portfolio. We're offering a no-cost, no-obligation real estate portfolio review to all About Mansfield podcast listeners. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more and to stay on top of what's happening in your neighborhood. Thank you for allowing us to serve you as your go-to Mansfield area real estate resource. Again, that's homesinmansfield.com. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community. And why so many people trust Methodist. Congratulations to Sharon Miles, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Where does the population of Mansfield, Texas rank within Tarrant County's cities? Sharon knew that of the 41 incorporated cities in Tarrant County, Mansfield ranks fifth in terms of population, according to the website citypopulation.de. When we come back, this week's trivia question. Stay with us. You're listening to About Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, 
and We Are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or another type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, to date, there is just one former U.S. congressman buried at the Mansfield Cemetery located on West Kimball Street near South 4th Avenue. This week's trivia question is, name the United States congressman who is buried at the Mansfield Cemetery. And for an extra $25 gift card, name the year he died. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what is the name of the U.S. congressman who is buried at the Mansfield Cemetery? And we'll throw in an extra $25 gift card if you can name the year he died. Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance for the gift cards. Hi, I'm Katie Hayes, pastor of Galileo Church, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb rediscovers the Voyage space probes from the 1970s. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. Over the last few weeks, NASA has been reporting on problems with the Voyager 1 space probe now sailing well beyond Pluto's orbit. It is kind of a miracle that it works at all, given its advanced age. A little background. The two Voyager space probes were launched in 1977, as there was going to be a planetary alignment that would allow the probes to fly by and photograph many of the outer planets. These launches, 45 years ago, used the technology of the time to build the toughest spacecraft they could, with a design life of five years and this would be the time it would take to fly to the outer planets, taking photos and measuring the space environment. The probes worked spectacularly well, though the operators on Earth had to intervene many times to address unexpected problems. Both have continued working, collecting information about the part of of outer space never before visited. This is beyond the influence of our sun's gravity and radiation. We are still learning surprising things from what they transmit back to Earth. One of the challenges they had after escaping the solar system was that the radio link between the probes and the Earth was getting weaker and weaker. At some predicted point, there would be no signal at all. This is because the further away you get, the received radio waves weaken. Think about walkie-talkies and CB radios that have a limited range. Also, the probe's nuclear power source weakens over time, reducing the amount of signal through the antenna, which in this case is a giant dish. Voyager 1 is now 14.5 billion miles away, so they looked for what they could change at the receiving and transmitting stations on Earth to increase the sensitivity of the receivers and increase the power of the transmitters. It's just engineering as applied physics. This radio link is called an information channel, and there's a whole body of engineering and math about how to get the information you want through the information channel that you got. I took a course about this in college. 
One of the ways to get data through poor channels is to slow down the communication speed using a smaller bandwidth. The operators were able to reprogram the probe's tiny ancient 1977 computer to transmit and receive very, very slowly. They reconfigured the ground stations as well. It is really slow. In the words of one of today's Voyager bosses, imagine you have a conversation with somebody in which you can only say a word every day, and you only hear back every other day. That is the kind of discussions we have with the Voyagers. So, back to the recent problem. Even though the conversation is slow, the Voyagers send information back about science collected and how the spacecraft is doing. Back in May, the spacecraft's message about where it thinks it is in space was gibberish, inconsistent with what they knew to be going on with the spaceship. Other science data and spaceship status information is fine. In the 45 years of the mission, many generations of Operators in the control center have come and gone, and the designers have long since retired. A space mission can continue indefinitely if you have good operator training and sound procedures. Today's program, however, does not have a solution in the training and procedures. Back in the 1970s, NASA was not archiving everything like they do now, and assumed that if they needed them, they could call the designers back to help them figure out unexpected things like this. So the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is now researching who was on the design team in the 1970s and asking those who are still alive to dig through their boxes of old documentation in their garages. Old space people have old documents in their garages. I I can prove that. It's embarrassing, but nobody contemplated a 45-year lifetime. This is a case of a still-working spaceship with a problem that might be solved if we can figure out what is going on 14.5 billion miles away. You need to talk to the designers. To put this in context, imagine your boss walks into your workspace and says, Hey, we need the client invoices from July 1977. Time marches on and space is immense. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk here at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Something's bugging health reporter Angel Biasati, and she's here to get it off her chest in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Summertime bugs always like to get out and about when it's hot outside, and they love to invade our spaces when we're camping, cooking out and grilling, or playing sports. Most of these critters are harmless, but they can be a nuisance, and some even deadly if we're not careful. Dr. Gary Alexander, Medical Director of the Trauma, offers some helpful hints to make our outdoor activities nicer. When you're outdoors, consider wearing a neutral wardrobe with smooth fabrics. Stay away from bright colors, floral patterns, and rough fabrics because these make great targets for bugs. They can see them from a mile away and they'll stick to you when they attack. Avoid wearing sweet perfumes, hairsprays, and aftershave. If it makes you smell good, then the bugs are going to be attracted to you as well. Additionally, when these scents get mixed in with your sweat, it drives these little pests into a frenzy, making you their main course. Consume foods with garlic and onions to help change the taste of your sweat, which makes you less tasty for flies and mosquitoes. Wear closed-toed footwear when you can, especially when you're in the grass or on the sand. Who hasn't been bitten by fire ants? They're everywhere this year. Also, yellow jackets are generally low to the ground to build their nests there. And the grass is attracted to bees, which make our legs and our feet easy prey. When camping, use repellent with deep. And you can also use essential oils like lavender, lemongrass, eucalyptus that naturally repel bugs. You will smell good while keeping the pesky bugs away. With Methodist Mansfield News to Know, I'm Angel Biasati reporting for About Mansfield Podcast. What kind of year has it been so far in the real estate market? Let's find out. Realtor Beth Steinke is here and has this week's Mansfield real estate market update. The real estate market is as dynamic as I have ever seen it. 
as quickly as we identify what's happening, it's changing again. I'd say that's true of the economy in general right now. As soon as we think we are stable and going to stay here for a while, a new report emerges with unexpected statistics and that changes our forecasts. While there are a lot of people making a ton of noise around the real estate market, I will share with you what we are seeing nationally, then drill down to what you really care about, the local Mansfield area market. I will factually share what we are encountering from the buyer and seller side so you can make the best possible decisions for your family. And while general information is good, personalized information is better, and we're always happy to review your personal situation with you so you can be fully armed and ready to make those important life decisions. Nationally, the real estate market is decelerating, but housing inventory remains tight. New construction is still turned up to high speed, but lumber prices did fall 30% from 2021 highs. New home prices increased by more than 18% over the last year. That's new construction. Looking regionally, year over year, the South, including Texas, has had greater than 22% increase in median sales price, while the Western region, that includes California, Oregon, and Washington State, has had the smallest increase in sales price of only 4.3%. Today's buyers are taking 56 days to find a home. That's nearly 29% less time than they needed a year ago. Today's sellers are experiencing longer days on market. National average is 17 days. Only 12% of homes were on the market more than a month, though confirming that there are still more buyers than there are homes to buy. However, there's no more pushing the market for sellers. Overpriced homes will take longer and 25% of sellers are having to reduce their asking price at least once. Conversations around pricing are always interesting. If we say a home's likely sales price is $340,000, it's not uncommon for the seller to say, well, then let's price it at three fifty dollars and see what happens. Not recommended. Here are a few more interesting national statistics. 86% of all buyers believe owning a home is a good financial investment. 88% of millennials believe the same. A big change from what we've been told historically. Total year-over-year national homeowner equity increase last year was $3.8 trillion. Per homeowner, the year-over-year equity increase nationally was $64,000, representing an increase of 32%. Now let's take a deep dive into what's happening locally. Last month's median sales price in Mansfield was 461,000 compared to this month's 457. While it is very slightly down month over month, it still represents an increase of nearly 10% year over year. If statistics tell the story, it indicates that home prices are still high, but they are not skyrocketing like they were. Closed sales in May were 34% higher than last year, but June numbers show that they were only up month over month 5.9%. The biggest takeaway is that home sales are still up. Active listings are up 112% over last year. That's such good news for buyers and really not terrible news for sellers either. We have 2.3 months of inventory available for buyers, giving them more selection and buying power. That's up from two weeks of inventory back in April. Right now, buyers are hiding, though. Between the heat, the interest rates, and all the scary news on the TV about housing market, we've seen a sharp decrease in the number of showings on new listings. So if you know anyone that put their home search on hold for things to settle down, let them know it's time to get back out there. When it cools down outside, more people will be coming out to house hunt. My recommendation is to dress cool, hydrate, and beat the rush. For sellers, timing is still fantastic. Home prices are still up. Home sales are still up. But make sure that your home is as move-in ready as possible because otherwise you may experience a somewhat longer marketing period and that is never fun. As more homes come on the market, your competition will be greater and could extend your marketing times a bit more. Let's take a look at what's happening in Mansfield right now in real time. As of Tuesday, July 19th, there are 116 active and available homes in Mansfield, excluding new construction. Homes range from a $250,000 investor special, with the list topping out at $2.4 million. Eight homes are priced over $900,000, but I think the best news is that there are 18 houses in Mansfield priced under $350,000. Let your first-time buyer friends know. We talked a few weeks ago about the rental market, so I thought it might be fun to see what's renting in Mansfield this week. Looks like we have a range from an 1,180-square-foot duplex renting for almost $1,700 all the way up to a 3,000-square-foot single-family home renting for $3,600. A quick check of sold stats this week show we have 24 homes that sold at an average of 105% of list price. 
Are there real estate topics you want to learn more about? Send me a message at info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred? Either way, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain is serving another Cocktail of the Week. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Four Roses Summer Citrus. If you want to be on the cutting edge this summer, take all the juicy citrus and combine it with the new Four Roses Small Batch Select Bourbon. Small Batch Select is not just new, but it's also the Four Roses whiskey that draws the most on the rosy flavor of its O yeast. Four Roses uses 10 different yeast strains to make their bourbon, but this one is centered primarily on barrels that have been centered around the O yeast, which adds a very floral note to the whiskey. But don't worry about taking notes, and I'll be giving out all the ingredients and instructions and posting them on bourbongospel.com. So to make the Four Roses Summer Citrus, you're going to use about an ounce and a half of Four Roses Small Batch Select Bourbon, a half ounce of lemon juice, fresh please, a half ounce of grapefruit juice, and then a half ounce of Texas or clover honey simple syrup, and then a dash of bitters. Combine all the ingredients, save for the garnish in a shaker with ice, shake and strain into a new rocks glass with fresh ice, and then garnish with a lemon twist. As always, I'm open to hear your taste and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, I always like having uh, business people in the in the studio. And, and in this case, he is the president of the second largest employer in Mansfield. And we'll we'll talk about that uh, coming up in, in this segment. Uh, Juan Fresquez is the president of of Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, and welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. And uh, for those who are listening, this interview is being recorded on uh, Tuesday, uh, July 12th. And uh, if I recall, this is coming out July 20th. So uh, next week, you will be our, our featured guest. And really wanted to have you in here because I know you're, you're relatively new to Mansfield, relatively Meaning, you know, I've been here for 18 years, so in this sense that you're relatively new. But I want to go back and and essentially introduce you to to Mansfield because I know that the leaders of Mansfield know who you are. The leadership Mans, uh, you went through leadership Mansfield, and and you know a lot of the city people. But uh, the 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 population in general, do they know Juan Ves- uh, Fresquez? And and so uh, first of all. Let's go back. Where were you born? I was born in Dallas. Born uh, in Dallas. And so, uh, actually, at Baylor. And, uh, and so, a little bit different now, the different campus uh, than what they had originally. But that was, uh, wow, almost 60 years ago, in 1963, before uh, uh, before Kennedy came through. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was I was born in Dallas, uh, grew up uh, in the kind of the White Rock area, um, and went to high school at the High School for Health Professions, which we uh, were one of the early classes for the, those, those magnet schools, and uh, left in 1981 to go to college. And so I left the Metroplex, I was gone for almost 40 years uh, huh. before finding my way back home finally to uh, back to the Metroplex. You were born in Dallas at, at, at Baylor, did and is that hospital still there? It is not. The one that uh, I was at was on Gaston Avenue, and okay. I'm not, I don't believe that's where their their main campus is. I believe they relocated, and of course now they have a bunch of different uh, uh, satellite facilities, but a few hospitals then in the area. Where'd you go to school? Uh, to uh, high school? I went to the high school for health professions, uh, which uh, started out. My first high school was at Skyline. And uh, was attending one of the early clusters there, a science cluster. And after the first semester, the uh, DISD opened the the magnet schools, which at the time were the uh, transportation magnet, the arts, uh, 
uh, kind of like what would have been like the Fame High School, if you remember the old Fame oh, yeah, series, yeah, TV yeah. series, uh-huh. uh, the Health Professions High School, and uh, the, 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 I guess, pre-law high school. And so there were four magnet schools at the time that were kind of new ventures for the Dallas Independent School District. So this is like a Ben Barber type, although kind of spread out amongst Dallas. Correct. Okay. And so, you know, early, early adoption of that. And what's kind of interesting is that some of the medical staff that I've come to know now at the Methodist Health System uh, also attended uh, that, that, that high school. You're and a science so, geek. Uh, I am. And okay. So, that's... Uh, my undergrad uh, was in nuclear medicine, and oh, wow. I minored in physics, and uh, that's kind of where everything started. I think everybody's got a little bit of geek in them. It just <laughs> depends on what it is. And, and All right, science. And I'm, I'm a music geek. Uh, my son's a band geek, and, and we've, we've all got a little geek in us. But uh, science, that's... Uh, that was that was what started me off, and so again left uh, left the Metroplex to go to, uh, to to college in San Antonio, and uh, what is now the University of Incarnate Word. At the time, it was Incarnate Word College back then. Incarnate Word Car- College, yes, and in San Antonio. By the way, San Antonio, one of my favorite cities in Texas. The beautiful city. The uh, Mexican food is my my wife is from Mexico, and and so she's very picky about her Mexican food, and. She says, hey, San Antonio is the real deal, that in the Metroplex, you get Tex-Mex. And she goes, no, 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 San Antonio is... Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you, uh, going back, you're, you're still, you're jumping ahead a little bit all here. Right, all, the, right. all right, let's go back to high school. Sure. Um, hobbies, classes, uh, any, were you were involved in any clubs, extracurricular? Uh, let's see. I played basketball, was um, uh, on the yearbook staff. Uh, so we put out three yearbooks, I think, during my time there. Um, gosh, a chess club, maybe. Uh, it's been a long time to try to remember yeah. back, uh, <laughs> pushing 50 years now. Uh, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm almost uh, there too. Yeah, so you know, but but great times. Uh, the the high school at the time was in downtown Dallas on Ross and Carroll, and okay. that uh, I've been back since coming back uh, home here to to Mansfield. I've had an opportunity to drive in that area, and it's that the building that was there is, isn't even there. Huh? Uh, I think it used to be an old J.C. Penney's, uh, and so that and it then. It was a warehouse that they converted into uh, a, sci- uh, a health magnet school, a school that uh, wasn't, it didn't look like a traditional school, but they had kind of gutted the interior and made classrooms. And then there was a separate campus that uh, was right behind where uh, where the, the hospital was that I was born, uh, which is no longer there. And uh, it was a, that was an old... Uh, elementary school that the school district reconverted, mm-hmm. and that was that was the technical school where they did uh, dental hygienics, uh, dental lab technology, which was one of the courses that I uh, took while I was in high school. I actually came out of high school thinking I might, I wanted to be a dentist, and uh, interviewed and actually worked for a dental lab, huh. uh, waking. Uh, Dentures, crowns, bridges, partial plates, uh, you know, veneers, you know, a lot of the, the dental work. And we had dental clients around the community that I delivered to when we picked up. There's a company on Main Street that does, uh, that does crowns. Yeah. Um, uh, that, and they do it for all over the yeah, Metroplex. And there, so there's a few, you know, dental labs out there. Yeah. And the dentists have, you know, contracts with them and send out their, uh, their, uh, work for, uh, you know, production, and then those uh, those are sent back to the dentist office and refitted, and the dentist kind of clean them up, and uh, and they're off to the races. And then you know, also did they, uh, some orthodontic work, some retainers, and some of that works a little more specialized. Yeah, uh, did that for a year and realized that you know, I really needed to get started uh, on my further education, and so 
that. Save some money and then off to college. What uh, we're talking a late seventies, early eighties. What's Swan doing on a Friday night in uh, in Dallas in high school? Oh gosh, working, working. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, uh, spent a lot of time at Captain D's, which was a uh, old Shoney's seafood restaurant. Uh, Captain D's, like a right? kind of like a McDonald's or, or yeah. Long John's. Okay, uh, very similar. Uh, not a not a whole lot of them now, but was that uh, your first job? No, my first job was at a Skaggs Albertsons as a. Actually, well, I guess my very first job was working at a steakhouse as a uh, a busboy. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine's mother was the manager. And so we got in, I think we were probably 13 years old at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> that restaurant's long since closed. Uh, but And then, of course, paper routes. And uh, But the, I think the first real job would have been as a uh, uh, Working as a sacker at, uh, and then eventually a stalker at Skaggs Albertsons. Skaggs Albertsons, and and is that location still there? You know, I haven't been back the, to that area of town, so I don't know. Could go in and say, you know, I I used to work here as a bag a bagger <laughs> a bagger, yeah. And look at me now. Oh gosh, and, you know, time's and, which would actually be a great learning uh, moment for the bag boys then. Uh, who are the working there now yeah. going, you know, someday you could be the president of a medical center. And anyway, moving on, uh, you, you went to, uh, you went to San Antonio for college. Yes. And, uh, uh the, 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 the incarnate, again, the name uh, of the, the university, uh, university of incarnate word now, university so of incarnate word is a, I presumably a, a Christian uh, it is a ca- Catholic liberal arts college. That's what the, how they defined it then. And so it's changed a lot through years, grown considerably yeah. uh, since the time I was there. How's their football team? Uh, actually, they didn't have football at the time. <laughs> so I became a, a big UT fan because, you know, San Antonio, Austin's yeah, relatively right up close. The street. And, uh, but, you know, they have a football team now. And from what I understand, they've done very well. My first, uh, while I was in college, I played, uh, I was on the golf team, but also, uh, was one of the initial first time, uh, soccer team members. And so we formed a, a soccer team and, uh, we had an intramural group that played around the city. And eventually that we were talked to the dean of the, of the, of the college and he, uh, allowed us to, to, Meet with the athletic director and formed a soccer team. So I was one of the inaugurable mem- the inaugural founding members, founding of, members. The, of the soccer team. And so uh, we've had uh, you know some get-togethers through the years. Great time though, and those are the, you know busy times. That university was interesting. It used to be an all an all women's university, hmm. uh, and they were specialized in nursing. They were one of the first big bachelors of science in nursing. Uh, programs uh, in in the state and produced a lot of of, of strong nurses uh, and you know I didn't know that until I got there and realized there was a strong emphasis in the sciences and yeah uh, you know and I had a, a a scholarship so it was a full ride scholarship so it was obviously I had a choice between going to Waco or going to San Antonio and at the time Waco was very uh, Undeveloped, it wasn't yeah. quite as it isn't the Waco of now, <laughs> right? And uh, they didn't have the silos. And they didn't have the silos, right? You know, there yeah. was no, uh, you know, there, there was there, there was no Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was definitely uh, a much smaller uh, city compared to to, to the Dow, to the DFW area. Um, but they got the Dr. Pepper Museum. Well, that's so, you know, I had a choice between <laughs> San Antonio and Waco, so I okay. took San Antonio because I, was, I think that was the better choice. And then it actually worked out well for me. And, uh, I mean, I could have gone for Ride to Baylor, but, uh, you know, in hindsight, you know, that certainly would have been an option because they did have a football team and uh, they were certainly a more developed university. But I preferred the, the, the smaller university, you know, better mm-hmm. student to teacher ratios, and uh, I learned well. How did your college experience or education lead you to where you are today? I mean, as I said, I started, uh, I majored in nuclear medicine. Right. And uh, originally was planning on going pre-dental and just took to the sciences. I just enjoyed all the physics classes I was taking and actually met my wife. Uh, she was a math major, a math major and a music major. So she was double majoring. Mm. And, you know, we had... Pat, uh, 
kind of connected a few times in classes uh, because obviously it was a, a, on the physics side, a lot of math, mathematics. And so we had uh, kind of seen each other and then I needed to take an elective course. And so uh, my friends had said, hey, you know, take choir. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an easy A uh, and, you know, it's not a lot of studying required. So you'll have plenty of time to do your studying. So I went to choir and that's when I really... Uh, uh, met my met my wife to be and uh, become my best friend and now uh, we've been married for this October is going to be thirty four years. Wow! And we talked off the air. You can sing. You you. Oh gosh! You, well, no, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that's well. I was in the choir. But, okay. Uh, believe me, there was uh, not to the level of my wife and my and my kids. I've got uh, two of my three children were also music majors. Wow! So my oldest son is a tenor. He's in the Houston area. Uh, my daughter is a uh, vocal performance major in a music education. Uh, uh, so she actually teaches here in Mansfield now. Really? And, uh, you yes. want to give her a little shout out? Sure. To... Uh, say hello, Gabriella. Uh, she's a teacher at uh, T.A. Howard Middle School. She's a choir oh, okay. director there. And uh, I think we're going to see great things from her. She's got a great voice, a great vocal talent. She sings for the Dallas Symphony Chorus and uh, is just really, really talented. Uh, Great soprano. Your daughter and my son sound like they have similar paths. He he is also a music major. He's actually now working on his doctorate in in music and music performance, but uh, is also a singer. He's one of these guys that uh, when he was attending UNT as a freshman and walks into the choir department and he says, hey, I'm, I'm brand new here at the university. I, I want to join a choir. And the guy reaches into his file cabinet, pulls out a piece of music, says, here, can you sing this? And he goes, uh, he's, he sight reads and yeah, yes, yeah. starts singing it and was immediately placed on the uh, the I forget the name of the choir. It's the university's top choir as a as a bass two, which there is you go. which is the lowest. That's pretty low. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He uh, he loves to uh, loves to brag about his his deep voice and but uh, yeah, it's it's fun watching the. The progress, and you've probably watched that in in your daughter. The the progress of of them as a beginning singer now to where they are oh, yes. singing in a uh, a symphony choir and uh, just amazing talents to you know I get in front of people and speak you know oftentimes, uh, but to get in front of people and sing is a whole different level of courage that I would not want to you know, to have or even attempt. Well, and, as as a musician, I can say, yes, the first half a dozen, at least half a dozen gigs that I did, and those were all back in California, were nerve-wracking. And I think the first time I ever played in public was in my own garage with a garage band, literally a garage band. And, yeah, it's, it's frightening getting, getting up in front of people and to perform. I could only imagine, and, this, <laughs> and seeing my wife having our kids, you know, singing at church, uh, doing solos in second grade, you know, small, small children, right. know, just amazing. To uh, I could never do that. And, you know, of course, my kids know. Uh, you know, I've been very proud of them. Let's talk about your first career job. Then, out of out of college, uh, where would where did that take place? So. Um, Prior to graduation, uh, there you know, I was required to do an internship, kind of a residency, if you will, and and that took me to uh, a military base in San Antonio, uh, a Wilford Hall Medical Center. It was at Lackland Air Force Base at the time. It was the largest Air Force hospital in the world, over a thousand beds, huge hospital, uh, coveted assignment uh, that the university had with uh, the Air Force. It was the top. Uh, assignment that a, that an intern could have from mm-hmm. from and so uh, we were all competing for that one because there were many other hospitals in the in the San Antonio area but that was the one everybody wanted to go so I was fortunate I got a, a selected uh, to spend time there and actually it was was there it's actually closed now they've they, they've since decommissioned that hospital 
Um, but at the time, I uh, did my my year of residency there, uh, stayed on for a little extra time. The officers uh, at the uh, the base wanted uh, kind of liked having someone with a really strong background uh, that could teach a lot of the courses. And I had been uh, a TA or a teacher's a teaching assistant yeah. at the university uh, as an upperclassman, helping some of the younger. Uh, and so in the in the military, nuclear medicine uh, to technologist uh, was actually an enlisted uh position and you had to go through radiology as a, ra- a radiology technologist first and then uh, when you re- when you re-upped uh, and to add years of service they would then train you in nuclear medicine so most of those uh, technologists were you know probably in seven years already so they were uh, late 20s starting their early 30s and and here I am you know coming out of college I'm 23 right. years old maybe and uh, and now they've got me teaching courses to these to these folks kind of uh, and I taught radiation biophysics uh, radio immunoassay uh, uh, radiation physics so I was teaching a lot of these courses that the officers were having to teach and so they saw you know here's a guy that you know can give us some relief and so they kept me on for a while I actually lived on base uh, had some of the benefits of an officer and trying to get commissioned wow. uh, but they uh, there was no job at the time for uh, for the degree that I had and so you know that um, you know that time passed and so I moved on to uh, uh, took my first position at Parkland so I of course came back home to the Dallas mm-hmm. area right and uh, worked at Parkland for a very short period of time so you can imagine uh, I was in an active duty military hospital where everything spit and polish right um, very Routinely, we would get visits from high, you know, high-ranking generals, uh, Secretary of Defense. I remember, I think Casper Weinberger came through at one point uh, to visit the hospital. So, you know, we really had it was top top end. Then to go to a county hospital, and at the time this was the old Parkland, uh, was a bit of a culture shock for me, and it was not what I was used to. So I did I. I uh, knew that didn't fit well for me, uh-huh. and so uh, I had interviewed at other times. And at the time, in nuclear medicine, the place to be was was uh, was not in the DFW area, but it was in the Houston area, where the Texas Medical Center was. That's where the president of the Nuclear Medicine Society, uh, the Society of Nuclear Medicine for the for the country, was at the time. And so a lot of research was occurring there. So I moved to Houston and and started working for. Uh, uh, Columbia Hospital, which is now HCA, uh, and uh, worked there in the humble, uh, humble uh, or Tascacita yeah. area. Okay, going back to Parkland for just a second, though, yes, I yes. just read yesterday that it's slated to be torn down. Um, I don't know. And uh, the the old Parkland Hospital. Oh, okay. Is, is um, and it's actually going because they have to kind of. It's not just going to be imploded. They have to disassemble a lot of it. It's going to take a couple of years. But uh, it was, uh, I believe, it was on the nightly news last night okay. that um, uh, stating that you know this is the hospital that uh, John F. Kennedy uh, passed away right. in, and and it's yeah, it's I'm, slated to be torn down. Well, that's uh, again, I I haven't been back to, to to Parkland since my arrival back to. To the, to the Metroplex uh, and to Mansfield three and a half years ago now. I yeah. came in February of 2019. Uh-huh. So just a year before COVID, uh, I was able to get settled in and uh, glad I was here, believe me, to be able to lead the team through the pandemic. Uh, it was, uh, again, it's a great great facility and we're going to get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, it, We are. We I digressed back where you were talking about Houston and... So uh, I went to Houston, right, and yeah. uh, worked for Columbia, for a Columbia hospital at the time and uh, ended up spending time in the in the Houston area, uh, 28 years. Uh, popped around different hospitals there. Uh, s- uh, spent 29 years with Tenet Healthcare, and, uh, which has uh, had hospitals here in the Metroplex for um, for a number of years, actually, our, our headquarters moved from Santa Barbara, uh, mm-hmm. California, to to Dallas, and was actually in the downtown area in the Acker building, building, and so 
spent time in Houston, worked at Houston Northwest Medical Center, which uh, those hospitals now, there were five of them, uh, have been actually, well, three three hospitals in the Houston area have been divested and uh, s- sold to HCA. So um, I left uh, Houston uh, when Tenet acquired some hospitals in Arizona. Okay. And I had been with the company for a long time and the regional CEO for Texas had asked me uh, to be one of the executives to go and tenetize those new hospitals that were acquired. Uh, and they were actually uh, uh, community uh, ascension hospitals. So uh, that was part of the uh, part of my role. I went to Arizona for three years, had a contract to work there. Uh, large hospitals, uh, for, uh, almost just under 500 bed hospitals there. Yeah. Uh, there were three hospitals, two 480 bed hospitals, and one critical access hospital on the border of Nogales there. So you've uh, been around. I've been around. You've been so, around. But you- wanted to get back home to Texas. We're talking with Methodist Mansfield Medical Center President Juan Fresquez, and we will pick up part two next week. Oh, and check this out. You can also look forward to a rare part three as well. It was a pleasure having Juan in the studio, and we talked for well over an hour, and I still didn't get through all the questions I wanted to ask. So there will be a part two next week, and then the following week, part three with Mansfield Methodists President Juan Fresquez. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature Michael Evans. Science reporter Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update Beth Steinke. Ask Terry Home Improvement Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Jacob Atkinson. We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. <laughs>